You people are at the position of attention. Ought to have you all shot. We salute the rank, not the man. We're running Curry. You're already dead. I'm proud to have served with each and every one of you. Welcome back, everybody, to the Almost Sideways Sideshow. Uh, we are here deep diving uh, Band of Brothers, episode by episode. I am your host, Terry Plucknett, and joining me is Adam Daly. Adam, how's it going? It's good. I can't find my scissors anywhere. Do you, got, do you have scissors? <laughs> Where's my scissors? Need some morphine, too? I, I do. I, I'm low over here, man. I got, I got have an issue here. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll make it through, though. We'll power uh, through it. Yes, because we are we are uh, deep diving this time, episode six, Bastone. Bastone. And this is when this episode is really when stuff gets crazy, and and you see you you think Easy Company has been through a lot, right? They paratroop <laughs> into into Normandy <laughs> behind the line, and and you know they had to deal with with you know Ross from Friends and all this stuff, so. You think they've been through a lot. Well, they haven't been through anything until they have to go through the Battle of the Bulge. And at, for some reason, and this is the crazy part about this, and it's a true story. And if you didn't think, if it wasn't true, you wouldn't believe it. That you had one company of men that were on the front line of every important battle in the European theater during World War II. Right, they 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 jump into D Day, they do this, they do that, they do it all, and now we yeah. see them as the main group in the Battle of the Bulge, surrounded <laughs> by the Germans, by the enemy, and they've got to try and work their way out. So that's what we're looking at this episode. Before we get too deep into this, make sure you subscribe, rate, review wherever you can find the podcast, whether it's Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, that there you go, all of them there. Pandora, Spotify, anywhere else you find your podcasts. Also, make sure you check us out on YouTube if you have not done so. Adam, talk about YouTube stuff. Yeah, YouTube is where we're dropping all these video formats of the reviews. We love to see your comments in the comments section. Make sure you leave them there, your thoughts, your takes, uh, your opinions on the show. Also, make sure you hit that subscribe button and the bell notification so you can stay up to date whenever we drop some more content. Really excited. We just passed 350 subscribers, and we're looking for 400 and more. So really excited. Sweet. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, so let's talk about Bastone. And we can't talk about Bastone in this episode without talking about the focus of the episode. Every episode has its focus. And this one, he's been around. He's kind of been in the periphery. I've been mentioning to you, Adam, your first time watch here. Yeah. Whenever he pops up, I'm like, you're going to hear more about Doc Rowe. You're going to hear more about Doc Rowe. And here it is. This episode is yeah. completely about Doc Rowe. As they go through this time, in the winter of 1944 in Bastogne. And the mm -hmm. first thing that stood out to me was the opening, the opening um, montage of the, 
of the actual members of Easy Company and some of the stuff they were talking about. And you can tell, yeah, they did Normandy. Yeah, they did all this stuff. Bastogne was the most traumatic experience of their lives. Yeah, and I'm kind uh, of not back past stone right now. Jeez, it's free. Yeah, it's exactly. And yeah, it's <laughs> whenever it gets cold. The one guy says, "Whenever it gets cold, I always tell my wife, at least I'm glad I'm not in Bastone. And that that that's always something he says. And then you had the one guy who mentioned that uh, a guy got his arm blown off, and he was running around, and all he had to say was, "Get my wristwatch off my arm." I mean, that this is like this is a a crazy, crazy dramatic time. And at the center of it for this episode, we have Doc Rowe, the medic for Easy Company. Um, what were some things uh, about Doc Rowe as you watched this episode that stood out to you or just some moments that really stood out to you from uh, from Bastogne? Well, I think you got to go with the MVP of the episode, Doc Rowe here. it's He is the guy you're focusing on and just seeing him journey from foxhole to foxhole interacting with people looking for his scissors i make a joke of it but yeah it, those are important things if you don't have them and the morphine and everything to take care of do it to so he can do his job and him communicating with all these different soldiers there i think that is some of the more fascinating stuff and not just with the soldiers but also the nurse too in bastone mm. um very important relationship i feel like there it gives some uh, humanity to the people uh of, you know of that town country um in the country they're in. So it, it's nice to see some interaction with some of the, the people there too. Uh, unfortunate what happened to her, but, uh, but doc Rowe is definitely one of those people that you just, you're kind of drawn to. And I wanted to, I'm glad they focused the whole episode. I know you, you meant you hinted at it, but I'm glad that this is one, one of the episodes that, Man, I just like I do not want to be there. I don't. I do not want to visit. <laughs> it looks too dang cold. I felt. I actually felt like some stuff actually does a certain. Like the Revenant was one of those movies that actually I felt mm. how cold it was there. I felt how cold it was in my room, and I'm like, it's it's like seventy plus degrees where I'm living right now, and I'm like, I felt cold watching best this episode here, and I, uh, it was a, kind of a miserable watch in that sense because i just felt for these guys and uh and yeah having doc rope go through this uh, episode and seeing the uh, the brutal wounds that these soldiers had it just uh some of the most haunting visual uh moments so far up to this point in the show yeah. i think so bastone yeah but a very very good episode one of the better ones up to this point for me probably the best one that i've watched to be honest up to, up to this point anyway so yeah uh, great, uh, but powerful and uh, traumatic episode for me. You mentioned the nurse, and I, I find the nurse one of the most fascinating characters um, throughout the entire series because you have this this person who is in the fight, but not in the army. Kind of yeah, not in the fight, though. Yeah, you ha- in the periphery here that you get this instant connection that she and Dacro have, and mm-hmm. and they they support each other they work with each other they they help each other and she is one of just those those pure genuine characters and that um that just grounds him and helps him helps him focus and it makes what happens to her so heartbreaking and and that moment where he pulls that he pulls that scarf out of the rubble is just it, yeah. it's just one of the most heart-wrenching moments of the entire show um, because she was so pure, right? She was just mm-hmm. this 
this like saintly woman who just wanted to be there and to help. And, and you know, if, if things had gone differently that they, you know, they probably would have ended up together at some point, but it, that's not how, that's not how it goes. Um, Definitely not. Yeah. I, I will say that I think ha- focusing on her so much that this episode did, it actually gave more kind of more kind of realization that this wasn't just about the good guys and the bad guys fighting each other and, you know, having all these the casualties happen during this big war, but also there's, <laughs> they're in a country where people are actually living too. We saw a couple moments in the show so far where the, the people uh, who are, inhabit this, this, this place are there like that once the city they go through and they're being all the military is being celebrated and they they're mm-hmm. uh, you know, condoning the people that had relations with the Germans and also the boy with the chocolate bar some really kind of standout moments however they never actually focused on one particular and gave her that kind of like that uh, that human connection where you're very like oh you can relate to her and actually felt more compassion towards her so it made it like the big impact at the end of it even more traumatic I felt too. So it's like, Oh man, you got, you got a little more backstory than any other character up to that point. Uh, that wasn't in the, this, this company that we've seen and followed so far. Well, and especially since, um, she's back in the town, right? She's supposed to be mm. outside the fight and, and, uh, and it's just, they end up getting bombarded by the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, another great moment I thought with, with doc Rowe was when, you see the group of soldiers going in, um, going into combat. They're going to go kind of see where the line is. They were expecting some fire. And you see this, this shot of, of Doc Rowe squatting up against a tree as the snow is falling down around him. And you know, yeah. he's just sitting there waiting for the gunshots and for someone to yell medic. That has to be one of the loneliest, most helpless feelings of any experience you could have knowing you're going, knowing I am just sitting here waiting for someone to be on their deathbed. And, and then I'm going to run out into the middle of all the chaos and take care of it. But I have to stay back here and let it all happen first. Yeah. Talk about what some of the bravest, like military are very brave people, but medics, a military medics, uh, they're sitting there waiting to run out into where they're literally where somebody got wounded at like that. Talk about the guy with big cojones. That's basically what these medics are that I, I could never imagine that. That's it's wow. Well, and, and especially Dr. Rowe at this point is, is not a very well supplied medic. He has a lot of interactions yeah, no. with the other medics. Like, all right, what do you have? This is what I have. They're exchanging stuff. That's how he first meets the nurse because he gives her, or she gives yeah. him some some supplies, stuff, yeah. uh, and and everyone's kind of not well supplied at this point. And you even have the general General McAuliffe come out yeah. to them, and and they they go through and say, okay, we don't have this, we don't have this, we don't have this. Our line is stretched too thin. People are walking. I mean, the first scene is Doc Rowe accidentally walks across the line into a German camp and has to turn and walk away. Hopefully, not that they don't see him because the lines are stretched so far that nobody knows where the line actually is. And the general's only response is keep trying. I got nothing for you. Just, yeah. just don't just hold the line. That's all you, that's all I can tell you. Um, so at one of these interactions, as he's trying to get, get more supplies, 
is with the one, the only, the infamous Lieutenant Dyke, uh, who he finds sleeping in his foxhole while everyone else is working. And he says, it's one of the great lines of the episode. He goes, Doc says, do you have any bandages? You, you still have your first aid kit, right? Do you have any bandages? And and he's like, what happens if I get hit? <laughs> he goes, I'll Dyke. be there. <laughs> Dyke, Dyke, I'll Dyke. help you. Uh, you know, the guy who runs as far away from anything anything bad as possible. Uh, Foxhole Norman as he is. And what <laughs> yeah. are they going to... Uh, yeah, he, he's, he's all concerned. No, I can't give the medic some extra supplies because I, the lieutenant, might end up getting hit and I will need a Band-Aid. I'm, t- I'm telling you, I said this last episode, he gets the title and all of a sudden he gets this, his head, his, his ego inflates a little bit and I, that's what I feel with Dyke. He thinks he's far superior. He's not, you know, that's uh, it's a frustrating guy. Definitely one of the LVPs of the show. <laughs> he, he's got some, he's got some good moments in it and and we'll talk about it more next episode because it gets worse. But uh, yeah. but there's the moment where he walks up and Doc Rowe is, is getting some supplies from the other medic. He's, Two medics in one hole? What if you guys get hit? Then we don't have any medics. <laughs> and it's like, dude, calm down. And at the same time, he's calling for Lipton to show him where his foxhole is because he has no idea where he is. Uh, he is just the most clueless guy out there. Uh, let's see here. Did I have any other dyke moments? I think those are all the main oh, ones I have. I do. Here. I have. Uh, I think I'll check out with my leaders' correspondence. I'll be back. Uh, you guys, you can handle the episode for a little bit. I'm gonna go and yeah, yeah, yeah. go over here. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. I'm back now. Okay, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, he's never around when you need him. Never around when you need him. Uh, that was the most annoying part. He's like, yeah, "Well, I'm gonna go. You got this, right? You guys are good. Um, okay, I'll, I'll see you. Bye." <laughs> And that and that that happens a lot more once we get to episode seven. But yeah, it's yeah. it it's kind of it's just ridiculous. Um, another unsung hero I noticed from this episode is someone that we've and I never noticed it before, but it's someone we've met already that just has a small little part in this, and it's the chaplain because oh, yeah. we get Bastone and in the the medic center there where the nurse is working is the same chaplain. We saw out in the middle of the of the battlefield, Car- yeah, yeah. I, I, was it Carrington or what? I think it was Market Garden, where he was wandering around. It was one of the two mm. where he was wandering was around yeah. and he was blessing the the dead bodies in the in the battlefield. It's like, how in the world is he doing? And now he's in the middle of it again, and he's doing the same thing. It's just crazy what he does. Yeah. Was that the guy given the last rights to people that were in the battle too? Yeah. I think yeah, so I think that was I don't know, I think it was the mark. Yeah, it was I think it was episode three. But anyway, regardless, yeah, it's just yeah. cool to see him show up again in the episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really interesting about this battle, and it's gonna go back. I read the book, uh, Band of Brothers. Mm. And one of the one of the most fascinating moments in the book that I've that I will always remember is he talks about when he's talking about Bastone, he talks about it to study it. He took some former members of easy company to Bastone and just wow. to kind of show him around and, and kind of what happened. And the, and the, at one point it was like, okay, on this one, on this one, uh, 
this one battle we had, we, we were looking out onto this field here, or I think it might have been onto this town or something, and we put a gun right here, and he kicked the dirt, and a shell casing popped out. But and so it was like it, like no wow. no joke. It was like right there. And and they they still they remember it that vividly that he could point out the exact spot of where the where they put their gun down to start mm. firing, that there's still shell casings in the ground in these battlefields because of how much how much just carnage there was during the during these battles. It's just crazy, crazy that he remembered that. That's and then mm-hmm. having a shell casing. Wow, I never would have guessed that. So while they're while they're there, that they, they get um, bombarded with shell with uh, shellings and just barrages of of gunfire and mortars and things like that, and you start to see something emerge during this. And what you see mm-hmm. emerge is when things get tough. The, the person who emerges as the leader of Easy Company is Lipton. And you start to see it here that there's the attack near the end where, uh, where everything starts blowing up and he's the one running around. Get in your foxholes. Get in your foxholes. We'll talk a whole lot more about Lipton in the next episode. Yeah. But, uh, but you start to see the hints at it here, uh, which is, which is a a great sign and something I picked up on here, knowing what's coming. And we'll, like I said, we'll talk about episode seven soon, but, uh, but Lipton is, is definitely emerging as a, as a leader. And we've talked some about, about his natural leadership already. They spend Christmas surrounded by the enemy in Bastogne. And there's some really interesting stuff that happens on that Christmas night as they're, uh, as, as things are going on, you have uh, the, the message Colonel Sink brings to the front line where, and which is, it was an actual message where, um, where the German commander uh, sent a message to the allied commander and said, we'll, we'll spare their lives. If you surrender, they're surrounded. And his response was nuts. I, that, that, and I, I just love that. And they, they loved it too. And the other thing that I noticed here, they're sitting in their foxholes and all of a sudden they hear something off in the distance and it's the German soldiers singing silent night. And it's, it's one of those moments where you realize, you know, there are some things that unify us and, and it's things like that. It reminded me of um, the story of world war one, where, uh, where during they spent a Christmas during world war one in the trenches across from each other. And they all popped out into no man's land and sang Christmas carols with each other, the enemy and, and for the entire night. And then dawn broke. They went back to their trenches and started firing on each other again. Wow. But it just shows yeah. that there, there are some things that, that just transcend the moment. And, uh, and Christmas, Christmas is one of those. Um, then you see, all this, all the the officers, led by Lieutenant Welch, sitting around a fire, <laughs> and I love I love that moment too. And when Nix is great for his reactions, because I thought I smelled a fire. I did smell a fire. Are you out of your mind? <laughs> We're in a dell. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and of course, right after that, Welch gets hit. And yeah. uh, but it's just funny that they're everyone is so taken back by the fact that it's it's Christmas that that you know what? Let's just start a campfire. It's cold. We can we can do that. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, yeah. Might as well, and we'll exchange some gifts here. We'll share some stuff that we have and mm-hmm. with each other, and just kind of like take take uh, enjoy the the little things in life, and that's kind of what they do for those moments. And then and then I'll send they, you some of my bullets. You'll send me some of your bullets, and yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so enjoy the little things, type of thing. So yeah, yeah. It, it's a nice moment, and kind of like remember, it's like yeah, oh, man, yeah. They don't get to come home during holidays. They have to be there and. At least they can still celebrate with their family, their military family type of thing. And yeah, even when it's hell, they can still kind of enjoy the little things, which is nice. Uh, another one of the uh, kind of main characters that emerges from this episode is Hefron, Babe Hefron, yeah. who uh, he uh, he's kind of just always been around. He he's the other guy from Philly, along with Garnier. And, uh, and you get this, uh, you, he, I forget, I think it was one of his friends gets injured and he's really shook by it. Um, oh no, it it was the, the, the one guy gets, um, the one guy gets shot, uh, and they can't get to him. Oh yeah. He gets like shot in the, mm. yeah, he gets shot in the neck and they, and he's trying to reach him and pull him back. And the, the Germans are holding him down too much with fire and they just can't get to him. And they have to leave him behind. And he was a guy who you find out later that Hefron said he, you know, he told his fam, he told him he would give his stuff to his family if anything were to happen to him. And now he can't because he was behind the line. Um, or he was, he was, yeah, they could just couldn't get him. It's a very and, powerful, uh, yeah. That's that scene actually kind of stands out too. I'm glad you mentioned that one because I kind of would have maybe overlooked it. But yeah, that's uh, tough because everybody they can't do anything to get him. Mm-hmm. He's just sitting there, uh, wallowing in the worst pain of his life, and slowly dies right there. That's that's that sucks. I would hate that. I don't know. That feeling be one of the worst feelings ever. So one Especially of the things, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the things I did this time through is I kept an eye out for whenever Hefron popped back up because there's so many characters. It's easy to lose track of guys, and so Agreed. that happens. I'm like, okay, so when where does Hefron pop back up in this? And um, if you remember that at one point, Doc Rowe gives uh, gives some chocolate to someone. Uh, that's Hefron. And, and it's one of those where he he shows that he's not just a medic for their for their physical needs, but he he is being, paying attention to their emotional needs as well and knows what he just went through. And he's like, you know what? You need something to reset you and maybe a piece of chocolate will do it. So he has a chocolate bar he got from the nurse and he gives him a piece and says, here, eat this. You need this. Um, he's he's uh, he he ends up um, sleeping in the foxhole with him. Uh, he's the one who ends up in the foxhole with uh, with Buck. And they're they're mm-hmm. talking about like the barbarian invasions of Romans and, and stuff like that. And uh, and they talk about one of the interesting things about Doc Rowe is he never calls anyone by their nickname calls them by their last name he calls them by their by their title they call it private he calls babe heffron mm-hmm. he doesn't call him babe uh he said and as that was the part where he goes he called me edward once he goes <laughs> edward he's like yeah that, that's my name edward <laughs> and i think it's buck that goes you, you you don't look like an edward to me 
<laughs> but, but it all leads up to that moment at the end where he actually does call him babe. Yeah. And, and nice. say, say, hey, you called me babe. Babe. Babe, babe yeah. Efron watched a lot. <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it just and it, it was that moment was a reset for heffron but it was also a reset for doc because he was definitely getting fatigued by everything that was going on and oh, now yeah, so could... in in that moment is when he tears the blue scarf too to wrap his hand yeah you could you could see kind of the weight that was going on because he was he was feeling at the the lack of supplies but also <laughs> the not so lack of injuries that were amounting with this his company, so he's like, I, there are so many things I can't even really do, and I uh, the the oh, I wanted to mention this the bone marrow scene when they had to hook him up and like to like the bear the bone like the little the jar of mar- uh, bone marrow and they had to like mm-hmm. hook him up and they carried him back into the town. I was like, holy cow! I would that's. I never seen that before. Like done. I was like, that's that was pretty cool. That that was just him. You could, but after that, you can just kind of see him slowly, kind of feel fatigued and weighed down by like this insurmountable uh, amount of injuries. Too. It's just yeah. But then he kind of resets himself, like you said, and kind of like okay, I'm I'm good to go now. I'm I just needed I needed a moment, and now kind of just reset myself. So yeah, it's well, good to he's. See. He's out of it for a little bit too. There, like when when Welch gets hurt, he basically has to be drug out of his foxhole just to get mm-hmm. to him and help out. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, a fascinating, fascinating character, and um, this is really a character study of of what happens when you are at your lowest and how how do you get out of it. And it was it, it's great to see just kind of how that how that works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, any any last thoughts on this one? No, I actually um, I would like to rewatch this one actually pretty after we're talking about it and seeing pick up on the more stuff like like actually <laughs> sooner than the other ones. I don't know. I, I really th- like this episode a lot. I think it's because of Ro is such an interesting character and is also the little interactions he had. Um, um, as of now, this is probably my favorite. Uh, episode i think the mm. from here on out there there i feel like the show has really turned a table for me where i thought it was a pretty good show and i i i was liking the first time watch but it was nothing that kind of blew me away watching it so many years after but this episode uh I kind of made it like wow this is a this, they found their stride at at this point like it was a really good but now it's like now they're stepping up their game and the Spoiler, I have seen the other couple episodes up for now. So I, I know that, yeah, they have found their stride. They're, they stepped up their game to me watching the show. So I, I definitely appreciate it by Stone in this episode. So Yeah, this is it. This is an episode that if you were probably to poll people, this one would be would be given as probably the favorite episode of most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because Doc Rowe is such a great character, uh, and because it's talking about because it's talking about Battle of the Bulge, and that mm-hmm. that's such a an iconic battle too. Uh, and I love the postscript at the end of this one yeah. where it said the the ta- the history history tells the story that that General Patton comes in with his tanks and and rescues the 101st Airborne from being surrounded. No member of the 101st Airborne ever said 
they needed rescuing. And yeah. it is just that, and, and it comes up again later, but it's yeah, no one, no one said they needed to be rescued. Uh, I, I always thought and these that was, two guys on this podcast will not say they needed rescuing from Patton either. We no, won't say no, that. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, let's see here. So a couple other just little side notes. Um, oh, I love the line. Uh, they're in, they're in line to get, to get food at one point. And, um, and, and I forget what the, what the setup for the line is. I think it's muck that's talking and, and someone says, someone says something goes, I won't eat malarkey. I, I, I just, I, I just thought, <laughs> Because like, we know Malarkey's a character too. Uh, yeah, you're not going to eat. Oh no, the, the it was like they were asking Malarkey. It's like you're not going to eat Malarkey. It's like no, I'm not going to oh. eat Malarkey. There's <laughs> something like that. There you go. Yeah, there um, I thought that was I thought that was funny. And then um, uh, when Rose talking to the nurse and he mentions that his grandmother is a Cajun healer in in Louis mm. in Louisiana, I always thought that was interesting, and it it kind of shows some of the uh, some of why Roe has the the mindset he has towards towards what he does. I, I thought that was kind of interesting. pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't pick up on that line. So that's pretty, uh, that's actually pretty fascinating. Yeah. All right. So that is Bastone episode six. Uh, so we will be back at you very soon with uh, another episode. Continue following along, continue watching along with us. Uh, episode seven coming out soon until then. Enjoy. Despite your crass behavior, I'm glad we were able to do this together. <laughs>